Live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel, it's Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Welcome to Inside the Jets. We're broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here. We will also be joined by Jets rookie tight end Chris Herndon, who is on quite a scoring tear, E. But first things first, the Jets dropped to 3-5 and five at the midway point with a 24-10 to 10 loss to the Bears in Chicago. Overall, what were your major takeaways? You know, this game was a, it was a frustrating game. You know, there obviously were the pre-snap penalties. Uh, you know, I thought defensively, they played strong, but they gave up a few plays. And when you're, when you're struggling offensively, the defense can't give up big plays. So, uh, you know, that's, my, that's my, my side on it from a defensive perspective. Of course, you're going to take that defensive perspective. Yeah, I mean, because listen, as, as a defensive player with a rookie quarterback, uh, when, when things aren't going well, you have a lot of injuries, you feel like you have to make up that time. You have to make up for the loss of, uh, of players, of stars on the offensive side. So you have to play flawless football. And those couple of mistakes came back to hurt him. All right. So the Jets caught somewhat of a break when the, one of the NFL's premier defenders was declared inactive, Khalil Mack, not in a lineup. But the Jets aren't going to feel sorry for any ball club, especially offensively. Sam Darnold right now, he was operating Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field without Quincy Inunua, who's still dealing with that sprained ankle. Robbie Anderson is top deep threat out with a quad injury. Bilal Paul placed on injured reserve earlier that week with the bulging disc in his neck. And then finally, Spencer Long, his center was out of the lineup. He's dealing with a finger injury right now. Jonathan Harrison started for the Jets. So they totaled just 207 yards of offense. What do you think of Darnold's performance, and how difficult is it for a rookie quarterback who is eight games into his NFL career to be dealing with, uh, dealing with so many shuffling pieces out there, E? Yeah, it makes it tough. You know, you, you think of this rookie quarterback who spent his whole offseason working with these receivers, working with Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, and, and just gaining a rapport with them. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the season, they're out with injuries. And you have to start working with guys who you, who you don't have any experience with. And the, the, another tough part about that is that these are the second, third-string receivers. They're going against the other team's ones. Chances are, when you have your ones going against the threes and twos of another team, they're going to win. So they're challenging a lot of the, the short routes that Sam Darnold loves to hit so, so, you know, so much. With Quincy Nunwa, he hit a short route. Quincy break a tackle, sure. make it a first down. Teams are starting to make Sam Darnold play left-handed. They're forcing his hand, trying to make him throw deeper routes. And uh, with the receivers that he has right now, without the rapport, it makes it tough. It certainly does. I mean, you got to think about what Darnold's been dealing with lately. Rashard Matthews into the lineup. Deontay Burnett was the Jets' leading receiver. The guy was activated from the practice squad just last week. Jermaine Curse has been a regular in the lineup, a fixture for him. But Andre Roberts, who's a special teams ace for this squad at returner, he's getting regular reps, as is Teron Peak. These are guys, a lot of these guys weren't playing for Sam Darnold two, three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, and it makes it tough, you know, the, the familiarity. And I think that's why you're seeing Chris Herndon 
get so much love. I mean, he only had one catch yesterday, but three straight games with a touchdown. Uh, Sam feels comfortable with him, and he's going to go in tough times when, when he's facing pressure, when, when you're losing games. You're going to go to who you trust, and it's hard to trust someone who you haven't had many reps with, a guy who just activated from practice squad, someone who you just signed. You know, it, it makes it extremely hard, but hopefully they can, they can gain that back. They can gain that through practice, through film study, understanding one another, where, you know, Sam could tell him, you know, this is how I want you to run the route. And then you start to gain that trust with the players. I'm not worried about uh, Darnold's confidence, are you? No, not at all. You know, this is a guy who, when he faces adversity, he, he's unwavered. You know, when he, when he goes through his highs, when he throws touchdowns, he's still the same guy. And that's what you love out of Sam Darnold. He has that maturity where he's not going to get too high, not going to get too low when things aren't going well. You mentioned the defense early on. I thought they played very well in the first half. They gave up the big screenplay to Dariq Cohen right up the gut for a 70-yard touchdown. But the Bears had seven points at halftime. This is a Chicago team that had averaged nearly 36 points a game in their previous three games coming into that ball game. What changed in the second half when the Bears were able to score 17 points and specifically when the Jets cut that ball game to a one-possession contest on Herndon's touchdown at 17-10? to why were the Bears able to go right down the field? Well, you know, that, that was a, a frustrating drive. You know, the, the Jets come down and score a touchdown, cut it to a, a one-touchdown game, and you, you're, you're waiting on your defense, who's been playing well for you the whole game, been playing well the whole season, and they let down. Uh, you know, penalties extend drives. You know, you give up plays on third down to, to keep the chains moving, keep that drive going, and, and it gets kind of frustrating. But at the end of the day, if the offense is, is getting off the field on three and outs, they're d doing six-play drives, not, getting, not flipping the field, it puts a lot of pressure on that defense do you feel and they get that, worn down. How much do you feel that as a defender? Because now the last two weeks, the takeaways haven't been there for the Jets. Mm -hmm. Those momentum-changing plays haven't been there. Yeah, you know, you feel it, but again, that's your job as a defensive player. You go out there and, and right the wrongs. You know, if your offense is struggling, you have to pick it up. And it's tough getting turnovers when you're playing behind. Because that team is not forced to throw the football. They're not forced into a certain situation. They're not one-dimensional. So when your team puts up points and you have the lead, that's when, you, that's when the team is – your defensive line can pin back their ears. The safeties and the, the corners can start jumping routes and forcing those turnovers. It's tough to do when you're playing from behind. Inside the Jets is supported by selective insurance response is everything. What did you think about the response from Marcus May yesterday? Comes out there with that – Damaged thumb all wrapped up, and he leads the Jets in tackles. Yeah, it was great to see. You know, Marcus May does a great job of tackling. Uh, I love how he takes space from the ball carriers. You know, he makes those, those tough tackles, those difficult tackles look easy. When, when there's a, a big distance between the ball carrier and himself, he takes that grass, cuts off the angle, comes in with, with force and does a great job of wrapping up. Uh, I, I love the way he plays the game. He's a great free safety for the Jets. E, we got about 30 seconds before our first break. What do you do about the pre-snap penalties? The Jets had, I believe, seven against the Bears. Yeah, that, that's something that the team has to handle within themselves. You know, you have to take responsibility. You cannot continue. It's week eight. You know, you can't continue to, to take turns making mistakes and, and putting your team in, in situations where it's first and 15. That, there's not many plays that get you out of first and 15. It, it stops the drive. It stops all your momentum. And it has to come to an end if the Jets want to have success. No doubt about that. Okay, the Jets have reached the midway point with a 3-5 and five record. We are just underway here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Stay tuned. And we'll be back 
with Jets rookie tight end, Chris Herndon. Sam Darnold calls for the ball, takes the snap, four-man rush, steps up, looks left, throws left, caught at the pylon, sneaking into the front right corner of the end zone, a touchdown for Chris Herndon. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We are broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. As a reminder, Inside the Jets on November 5th will be closed for military appreciation event. We look forward to seeing you the following week on November 12th. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Let's bring in now... Somebody who is a scorching hot receiver for the Jets, and that is tight end Chris Herndon. Thank you, Chris. The the folks appreciate your contribution for the green and white. How does it feel to be the first tight end in franchise history in terms of a rookie to have touchdowns, scoring receptions in three consecutive games? Um. I actually didn't know that until my my mom and girlfriend told me, but uh, it's a it's a huge honor, and I'm so thankful. And I you know thank God for the opportunity He's given me to be here and the 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 chances He's given me to you know go out there and showcase and show that I could compete at the highest level. When did they say that to you? You had a conversation with them uh, last night over the phone, or when did you find out? I found out all of this today around this morning afternoon time. That's special, man. So let me ask you this. You know, your rookie year, how has it been? You know, you're a Georgia boy, went to school in Miami. What has it been like being with the Jets in New Jersey in the New York area? Um, it's definitely a different environment, especially, you know, with the weather. It's getting real cold up there. <laughs> I still have yet to, you know, get the, the proper attire for up here. But um, I'm definitely going to get on that. But as far as the environment, it's, it's very welcoming. My teammates, when, you know, the rookies came in, they... They were very welcoming for us and, you know, welcomed us with open arms and, you know, told us, you know, just follow them. And um, I've enjoyed it ever since. We talked about it today, Chris, that your roommate when he got here to Florham Park was rookie quarterback Sam Darnold. How did that relationship blossom in the spring? Um, it's really hard to say. We kind of, when we first moved in, we didn't really say much to each other. We just knew we were teammates and... We kind of just gelled easily, though. We didn't talk much. We weren't very talkative guys, but, you know, we both very studious. And, you know, after practice, after rookie camp, we'd come in and both get in our playbooks. And if I had a question, you know, obviously he's the quarterback, so I went right to him. And he was, you know, more than happy to help me with anything that I needed. So, so Chris, can I ask you this? What is your 40 time? Because you didn't get to run at the combine, right? But when I see you out there on the field, you're separating from DBs, you're separating from linebackers, and you have a ton of speed. If you had a gauge, what do you, what do you think a roundabout number is for your 40? I'd say about a 4.6. Nice. Okay. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, Building a Better Working World, Eric Allen, Eric Coleman, and Chris Herndon. So, the Bears, um, you guys win that ball game in the fourth quarter. Your touchdown brought it to a one-possession game. Can you take me through the route? And did you know pre-snap, good opportunity here, I'm going to get the football? Um, it was just a basic sideline route. Um, I saw once we got lined up in our formation that the guy playing me man was inside of me, and I immediately 
you know, took advantage of that. Once the ball was snapped, I just took off full speed, kind of took him vertical and stemmed it off and came flat. So, you know, he couldn't undercut it. And once I made my cut, the ball was already coming. I just, you know, made a play on it. That's that. And that's that. And you've, you and Darnold are hooking up each and every week. Uh, what did you do with, uh, we talked about it earlier today, what did you do with that first ball, your first career touchdown against the Indianapolis Colts? Tremendous play call by Jeremy Bates there. Everybody's thinking screen, and there goes Herndon on the, boat, on, on the girl route. Oh, um, if you go and watch the, the play, I held on to the ball very tight. You know, I didn't want to let all the emotion from my first NFL touchdown make me do something like spike it or throw it in the stand. So I held it really tight. My teammates made fun of me, but I got to the sideline and I asked them to, you know, hold it for me and, you know, make sure I get it. But it's still in the equipment room right now, right? Oh, yeah, they're decorating it, they said. So I'm waiting to see what it'll look like when they finish up. <laughs> and where are you going to take that? Back to Georgia or what? Yeah, I'll probably take it back home, let my parents do something with it. I probably, I won't do much with it if I keep it. <laughs> but you held on to that baby tight. Okay, how about the pre-draft uh, process? About a year ago, a calendar year ago, Miami's playing Pittsburgh. You go down with the knee injury. At that point, what immediately goes in your mind? Um, it was weird. Uh, you know, I told you earlier when it happened, I didn't really feel it happen. It just happened so quick. But I knew when I got up, something was wrong because my leg felt loose and weaker than usual. So sure. I kind of limped to the sideline. And once I got there, I just I kind of knew what was going on because my, my leg was a little bit unstable. And I just let out a quick uh, cry. And I went back to the training area where they no. took me under the tent and started examining me. And they told me I was done for the game. And found the news the next day that it was a torn MCL. And, you know, I was that. Now, now, Chris, I, I had a couple of sprained MCLs. I never tore it all the way. How long did it take you to gain back that trust? Because, like you mentioned, the MCLs on the inside of your knee, it messes with your stability. How long did it take for you after that recovery to get back to just planting on the full speed, running full go? Um, it took a while. I know when I was first able to run, I was really unsure about it, and I didn't really trust it that much. And, you know, where I trained at, they were – you know, pushing me each and every day, making sure that I wasn't holding back either. And um, I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, once I was able to run again, it probably took about an extra two or three months. You know, I got into rookie camp. They, they helped me with it there and gave me a brace just to be safe. And around the middle of camp is when I finally took the brace off and I felt good then. Were you ever frustrated during the pre-draft process? Because you're probably thinking before that Pittsburgh game, hey man, I'm going to finish out the year with the Canes. We're going to go in, we're going to take care of business in the bowl, and then I'm going to be raring to go uh, for all these workouts and things like that. Instead, your days were full of recovery and treatments. Oh, uh, it, was, it was pretty frustrating at times. You know, there was a point where I couldn't even bend my knee from being in the brace for so long and you know the process of you know even being able to pedal on the bike and then getting on the treadmill and taking slow steps on that uh, it was really frustrating but I don't think I really got too down because I knew you know the work ethic that I had that I could overcome that and come back better so, so, you, ahead, so you come from University of Miami you know 
a school tradition uh, has a lot of tradition at the tight end position. Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, you know, a ton of guys came from before you. What does it mean to be in the NFL making a big difference coming from University of Miami and representing your school? Oh, it's pretty cool. You know, when you get there, well, for me, I wasn't really a Miami fan growing up. That's what's weird about it. I didn't learn about the history until I got there. But once I did and start to understand it, you know, you take a lot of pride in it and you just try to live up to that. And, you know, you try to, you try your best to, you know, be your own self and not try to, you know, you look up to them, but you don't want to, you know, do anything that's out of your, you know, play. But, you know, I just, I went in there each and every day, gave my all to the team and worked hard. And, you know, now I'm up here playing with the, the greats and hopefully, you know, I get a chance to meet a few of them. That's cool. So none of them came back. Did Shockey ever come back or any tight ends from the NFL come back and kind of give you some knowledge about the position and, you know, the ins and outs of, of what it's going to take to get to the next level? Yes, sir. Um, Shockey, he came back my sophomore summer leading into junior year. And, you know, at that time it was me, David Njoku, and Standish Dobar. We were all the tight ends there. And he came back and, you know, helped us with blocking, told us about route running and you know, just, you know, talk to us afterwards for a little bit. Um, how have you made that impact over the last three weeks? Because it, it, it's, to me, it's like, it's a starting point for you and Sam Darnold. I tweeted this yesterday. I said, when you guys got in the red zone, I said, Herndon time, question mark. And sure enough, Sam dialed you up on the next play. But now it's three consecutive, uh, consecutive weeks. Where is your confidence level now that you, you continue to get the football and you're scoring? Um, it's definitely slowly going up. You know, like I you know, tell everybody, it's just going to come with, you know, practice time, you know, studying film, learning my opponents, and also watching myself, you know, being very critical after games and, you know, not just looking at what I do good and, you know, go and see what I did wrong and try to capitalize on watching film and, you know, just continue to put that into my work ethic and make sure I'm, you know, trying to be the most complete tight end that I could be. Now, now you seem like a quiet guy, but you turned into a great receiver, right? Now, all the great, the great receivers are known to come back in the huddle and tell, tell the quarterback, listen, I'm open every time. At what point are you going to start doing that with Sam? Um, he probably just leaves them notes under the door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never really been that type. You know, I kind of just let, let the, the game really come to me. Um, you know, I definitely, like I said, I'm starting to feel my confidence continue to grow. And, you know, the faith in myself continue to grow. And seeing that I can compete with these guys at this level is, you know, definitely, you know, starting to show. And I'm just going to continue to, you know, do what the coaches are asking me. I'm not going to, you know, really force anything. So, so this probably goes back to your college days. But has there been that time in, in the NFL game where, where you see who's guarding you and you're like, man, this guy can't cover me? Ha, has, have you been through that? And if so, was it a safety or a linebacker? Or do you prefer going against one or the other? Honestly, I, it's hard to really say that. You know, before the play, I don't really necessarily see who's guarding me. Mm -hmm. I just kind of get a peek of who's there. And, you know, if I'm running a route, try to see how I can run that route, I don't. I haven't really paid attention much to who's guarding me, but you know, not in like a cocky way. I just, yeah. I, you know, it's more of a. You can get open against anybody. I try to. Yeah. How can you guys gain a more traction as a whole, collectively, offensively? Because I know there were a lot of three and outs against the Bears. The run game really wasn't there. 
And there were a bunch of pre-snap penalties that held you guys back. Um, I feel like that's just going to come with, you know, practice time, you know, starting to, you know, amp up how we practice. You know, don't come out, you know, flat, come out with energy even because that leads to the games as well. So I feel like, you know, the, the more we emphasize that practice and get reps and, you know, film study, taking notes, asking questions and, you know, just continue to gain that chemistry with one another. It's going to come. It's got to be interesting of late, Chris, when you go to the huddle because you don't know who's going to be lining up next to you. Uh, Bilal Powell goes to injury reserve, so Richard Matthews was added last week. You had Robbie Anderson out of the lineup. Um, Deontay Burnett comes up. It's a lot of pieces in and out right now for this team. Yeah, you know, it's just what comes with the game. Injury comes and, you know, like you know, Sam said earlier, you can't really make excuses because at the end of the day, the, they're not going to stop the game. No. And they're not going to stop practice. So we got to go out there. Nobody's going to feel bad for you. Yeah, we got to go out there with what we have and, you know, trust that we practiced well enough and, you know, got the reps and go out there and give your all to the team and, you know, let everything else come to you. Chris, what was your favorite sport growing up in Georgia? Because you were a state champion three times. Three times, two in football and one in basketball. Um, that's funny. Um, growing up, I actually used to swear that I wasn't going to be a football player because basketball was really like my thing growing up. I, I started playing when I was four or five, and it was definitely my favorite compared to football. I didn't really like it. I was <laughs> younger. I was weak, and I feel like basketball just came to me naturally at a younger age, but around freshman sophomore year of high school I you know started getting in the weight room got my weight up and saw that I was able to compete with the varsity guys and that's when I started you know leaning more towards football who was your team growing up as far as uh hoops did you like the Hawks or did you like some other team and who, who were some guys you looked up to in terms of hoops and also what position did you play in high school were you were you a stretch four I mean stretch three what, what were you doing I five a little bit of the three, four, and five. Okay. Because I had a, a little jump shot, you know, not a lot. I could, I could, you know, shoot it well here and there, but I could guard the, the other team's big man just because, you know, football helped with that. So my coaches always used to, you know, let me guard them, and, you know, I was pretty successful against them. But as far as hoops went, yeah. my team was the Hawks, naturally. Okay. And I used to follow Joe Johnson heavy. You know, when he was there, he was the, he was the guy there. He had the... You know, the city alive when he was there, and, you know, he just, he just, I like the way he balled. Now, I'm going to date myself here, Chris. I go back to thinking about the Hawks and say, Dominique Wilkins. You ever take a look at some of those highlights? <laughs> I hear about him. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it does sound bad, but I was more of a in my era yeah, type of guy. I know. I'm, I a, I'm, a, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the type to go back and look at older highlights. I kind of watched michael jordan before he you know retired but other than that i didn't really go back too far but i did i have seen highlights of him okay so so what about football wise have you always played tight end and if so who were some of the guys that you looked up to growing up at that position um football wise i actually haven't played tight end my whole life i started off playing uh center which is another reason why i wasn't trying to play when i was younger <laughs> then i worked my way to a little quarterback but not a lot and then receiver just because, you know, when I was younger, I was, you know, skinnier. But when I finally put my weight on, that's when I started playing more tight end. 
But, you know, being in Atlanta, you know, I saw players like Algie Crumpler and Tony Gonzalez, and I really looked up to them because, you know, they were great pass catchers and also could block and, you know, get their nose dirty. And I really looked up to that because I, you know, I always wanted to be a complete tight end once I started playing that. How much pride do you take in your blocking? I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people are becoming aware of Chris Herndon's receiving skills, but if you watch the tape at Miami, you were a guy who didn't mind getting his nose dirty. Um, I've always taken a lot of pride in it because it's a way to sh not just show yourself, but your team that you're selfless and you're willing to do whatever they need you to do to ultimately help your team win. And, um, you know, when I was back in Miami, we emphasized blocking a lot. You couldn't, or if you weren't willing to block, you really weren't going to play. So, you know, you just went to practice every day, and that was one thing we worked on every single day. What do you think of the role of the tight end in Jeremy Bates' offense? Because I know JB likes the use of the tight ends. Darnold, I've asked him about the tight ends here, and he loves this group. And Bates specifically says, this is not a roster that has a fullback. So sometimes you guys might be used as a fullback. Other times, they'll take advantage of a Chris Herndon's receiving skills and put you out wide. And then other times, of course, you're going to be asked to stay in line and be a blocker. Um, I feel like they use the tight ends in a very unique way in our offense. And it gives us a chance to, to you know, just expand our knowledge of the game just because they're putting us in so many different places. And, you know, we're having to watch film on different guys, different positions. So I feel like they do a good job of mixing it up with us. And, you know, when they put us in, you know, it's our job to make a play when our name is called, our number is called, and whether it's catching or blocking or even putting us on special teams, you know, we got to go in there ready for whatever. So going down to Miami, how many ticket requests have you received? Are some of your boys going to come watch you play, or are they going to be on the road still? No, they actually have meetings and practice on Sundays, so I most likely won't get to see them. But, you know, my, my family's going to come down, and I have – some friends down there that won't be in bas I mean, football practice, but other than that, I'm not really, you know, stressing out. I let my parents under the ticket. But how, Smart man. how comfortable yeah. are you playing in the stadium? It's going to be like a home game for you. Yeah, I got pretty comfortable while I was there, and it's going to be different now because I've been playing in the, the chilly, chilly weather for about three weeks. So I know I, I've been hydrating already. Well, it, it is your first return matchup in the National Football, Football League, and the Jets will have revenge on their minds because Miami took you guys down in week two in the home opener. But Chris, you're off to a great start with the New York Jets. We thank you so much for stopping by here tonight, and we'll be right back here on Inside the Jets. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt uh, Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Our player guest segment was brought to you by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. We just heard from Chris Herndon. What have you thought about his play early on in his NFL career? The Jets might have found themselves a steal in the fourth round of the 2018 draft. Yeah, I'm excited about Chris. You know, he, he's done a great job, and you can tell by the interview, he's very humble. You know, football is important to him. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a kid that's going to continue to grow and mature and become a star in this league. You know, with him and Sam having a great relationship with one another, things are only going to get better for the two of them. 
E, do you think it really does help uh, that bond between a quarterback and a pass catcher that those guys room together in the spring? That they were – neither one of them are the most boisterous <laughs> around when you're talking about guys, but – very studious. That's what Herndon said. That caught my ear, and you knew they were bouncing things off of each other each and every day. Yeah, you know, and, I, and the Jets do it by design. You know, I'm going <laughs> to put my our number one tight end with our quarterback, you know, because we want them to gain that relationship, and, and it means something. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're going through practice, when you're going through game situations, you're going to lean on the guys who you spend time with, the guys who you like and, and, and grew a bond with. So I think that's very important for them to gain that relationship, uh, you know, Chris can under, get an understanding. Listen, run the routes, run the routes this way. I want you to snap it off at ten yards this time. You know they, they start to gain, get little nuances in their routes, and uh, and great things happen. Uh, you asked him about his forty time. He is very athletic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He's you can see it uh, in the way he plays his game. Explodes. You know, uh, on the top of his route, doesn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. Tell Great me about the challenge. So tell us about the challenges from well, a safety perspective. Okay, from a safety position, you know, I, I think about guy, a guy who he mentioned and one of the players he looked up to was Tony Gonzalez. You know, I got a chance to play against him in Atlanta for, for three years. And Tony, when I'm telling you at the end of his career, he was not the most explosive guy. No. But every single day before practice, he worked at the top of his route, changing direction. And so he would work at the stem. And every time in the game, Everyone in the stadium would know it's third down and six. The ball's going to Tony Gonzalez. He would find a way to make that separation and to get that catch. And, and I see a little bit of that in Chris. Once he makes that break is when he's, he's making defensive backs and the linebackers uncomfortable because he has so much explosion. And it's only going to get better when he learns the position. Okay, Eric Coleman. The Jets have reached the midway point of the 2018 season. They are three and five. I mean, uh, Yes, they were. They are three and five after eight games for a third consecutive year. What do you know about this team? What I know about this team is uh, they're fighters. They're hardworking, but they're young. You know, you can see the youth in the way that they play from the mental mistakes, but you also see it by the intensity at which they take the field. Uh, you know, these guys are hard workers defensively. They're flying around every play. Offensively, there's been some some shining moments, but what they're going to have to gain. With that experience is that consistency because the consistent teams are the ones that have success throughout the year and that, that are going on playoff runs and, and making these, these big um, runs at the playoffs. So sure. I, I, think, I think experience is going to help with that. They're going to continue to get that. And uh, I, I love the future for this, for this team. But the, what I want to ask you is uh, I think a lot of people were taken aback yesterday when Todd Bowles said, he was very proud of the way the Jets fought and stayed together, fought collectively, just the feeling there. And a head coach knows his team better than anybody. Yeah. So a lot of people looked at that ball game and said, the Jets didn't really have too much. They didn't bring too much to the game. But the head coach said, I like the way my group came together. Yeah, you know, when, when there's a team with tension yeah you can feel it you okay. can feel the, the the aggravation on the sidelines you can feel it in the, in the locker room on the flight home with this team you can see on 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 the film you can see it by the way they play they actually like each other this is a bunch of a group of guys who are fighting for one another instead of for themselves you know i've been a part of teams where we have a ton of talent and there's a, a bunch of individuals out there playing yeah. you never have success but once you start to make that fist and start playing for the man next to you 
that's when you start to have success. And, and that's what Todd Bowles was talking about. These guys like each other. They like fighting for one another. And uh, they're missing a couple of pieces right now. But as you start to add those pieces, some of the younger players get experience. They're going to start winning. And it's going to be a, a long span of winning for the Jets. Well, the schedule is going to be different, too, because going to Chicago, being so banged up, that's a tough assignment. Now this assignment against the Miami Dolphins. I'm not taking anything away from Miami, but this is a different kind of outfit. And then you host the Buffalo Bills, a team who's, they're challenging, uh, they're facing challenging times themselves. Their rookie quarterback's out. They can't score offensively. They have a good defense. But first things first, Morris Claiborne said, Miami, it is a must win. It, e, is it a must win? Absolutely. It's a must win. And you look at the next five games. Four out of the next five games are division opponents. Yes. So this is when the season really starts. And it starts with Miami. And it's going to be all about the Jets. And I'm not really worried about the opponent, who they play against. It's about the Jets beating themselves. If they can take care of business, everybody take care of your assignment. Do your job. Make that play when your number is called. They're going to win a lot of games. All right. So if you go back to the start of the 2017 season, the Jets are just 2-10 and 10 on the road. Now, they started this season with a bang, going into Detroit and blowing out the Lions. But what does this team have to do to have consistent success away from MetLife Stadium? Because you know week in, week out at MetLife Stadium, mm -hmm. the Jets are either going to win or they're going to be in the ball game late. It's been a different kind of feel on the road over the over the course of the last year and a half. Yeah, you know, when you're playing at MetLife, it's like going into a fight and you got your big brother standing behind <laughs> you. You know, all those fans at MetLife are, are really going to impact the game. When you go on the road, it's different. You have to lock arms. You have to put your back against the wall and come out fighting. And that's what this team is, is going to learn. That's what they're learning. You saw it in the Detroit game. I, I believe this week you'll see it at Miami. This is a different team. They're fighting for something. They're fighting for one another, which is more important than anything. Yeah, it really struck me in the locker room uh, last night, the way the guys were talking. Leonard Williams, I uh, was in his media huddle. He said, it's not the same old Jets. We have each other's back. Yeah, it's different, and you can see it. You know, no, it didn't work out. You, you know, can see it watching, huh? Yeah, you can see it watching. You know, it, it, it's, it's a completely different team. You're not seeing – yes, there were a couple pre-snap penalties. Yes. yes, there were a couple mistakes. But, you know, I, I take, for example, the, the play with Cohen when he had that big screen play. Right. It was a mental mistake, but that was a tough position for any player to be in. You know, the linebacker at the time was covering him. It was all-out blitz. His assignment is to cover the running back. You're talking if, to Avery Williamson Avery here. Williamson. Okay. If that running back blocks, Avery Williamson adds on to the blitz. Now, if you watch the film, Tariq, Tariq Cohen looked like he was going to go block Avery. So right when, when Avery saw him set up the block, he saw red, and he's going. He slipped him at the end. And right after he took that second step, you saw Avery turn around and say, oh, man. But then it's too late because Tariq, Tariq is an explosive player. And, and that's not a mental mistake. That's just a, a lapse. That's just a lapse in, in, in play that, that can be corrected. And, and if you eliminate some of those big plays in that game, it's a much different game. What's the teaching point there for Williamson, though? Do, do, you, go, do you go because the Jets sent seven. Mm -hmm. Is it a complete bull rush? Do you go in there and knock Tariq Cohen on his derriere? <laughs> I, you know what? My big teaching point on that yeah. situation is awareness. Understanding that Tariq Cohen is not in there to block you. He's a small running back. He's one of those wild card players that they're going to run reverses to. They're going to throw trick plays to. He's in there for a reason to catch that ball. When you see him line up in the backfield and you have him, go grab him. Go grab him. Don't let him out. 
So uh, in our final segment, I want to discuss the trade deadline with you because that occurs tomorrow across the National Football League. But first things first, I do think the Jets are going to get some help from within. Robbie Anderson dealing with that sprained ankle. We'll have to monitor his status. You know, he's a South Florida guy. He'd definitely like to be in a lineup against the Dolphins this week. Tremaine Johnson, it seems like he's inching closer to a return as well. He's been out for a number of games now with that quad injury. Buster Screen was back in the lineup last week, uh, uh, Sunday against the Bears, as was Marcus May. So I do think the Jets are going to get healthier. Uh, the Paul going to injured reserve, that's a tough blow. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, the, the injuries, guys coming back is going to be big. I mean, you look at Spencer Long. Yep. He's in the center of that offensive line. He tells everybody where to go. And w- without that's like your quarterback for the offensive line. Without him, guys get kind of confused. And they were starting to gain that chemistry on the offensive line. Once you get him back, things change. Once you get Quincy back and, and Robbie back, the whole thing changes. But when you talk about the trade deadline, it's, uh, you know, I think the Jets, for right now, they have the pieces they need. You know, yes, they're going to have to add some in the draft and through free agency after the season. But I think this is a young team that has a great foundation. All right, well, hold that thought because we got to get into the trade deadline in our final segment. We'll be right back here on Inside the Jets. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. We're broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Remember, next week, November 5th, will be a closed military appreciation event. We look forward to seeing you the following week right here at Vanderbilt's on November 12th. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. Uh, Before we get to the trade deadline, man, the shirt tonight. Oh, man. I like it. Thanks, brother. But you're scaring me with the gun. <laughs> I mean, people who are watching this right now on all the Jets platforms can check that out. Was today arm day in the gym? Today was not an arm day. It was chest day. But listen, I, I have two daughters, yeah. and, and I have to make sure that when they come of age, I have to be able to knock one of these young guys out. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to stay ready for them. Oh, well, you're ready, man. And my, and my little guy is coming up. He's probably going to be bigger than me, so I got to stay strong. Because uh, fortunately for all of us here at Vanderbilt's tonight and who have Bennett inside the Jets throughout the 2018 season. We've gotten a chance to know Eric better, and he is a nice guy. Because if Eric was mean mugging anybody, everybody would be out (laughs) of this restaurant right now. We'd all be running (laughs) on the streets. Uh, Quickly. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, Okay. So I want to thank Justin, who's helping us out here tonight. Brian back in the studio. Of course, Bree. Jack and Frank, who are here every week, every week from the Jets. Trade deadline. Do you want to see the Jets sit tight, or Mike McKagan should be working the phones, as usual? I would like them to sit tight. Oh, okay. Listen, this, this is, trade, the trade deadline is for teams that are in a situation to, to win right now. And not saying the Jets can't win right now, but they're not desperate for, that, for those picks. Also, not having a second-round draft pick, you need as many draft picks as you can. You can't be giving them away in trades. You're going to need to develop this team from, from the youth coming up. That's how you build consistency, and I, and I think that's important that they hold on to that. A draft capital is very important when you're trying to build a team. Mike McKagan has always said that he wants to build this thing through the draft. The Jets do have a lot of financial flexibility 
moving forward in terms of this spring and then beyond. So a guy like Le'Veon Bell, if you're McKagan, you just let things play out. Maybe we'll see in the spring. And yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, <laughs> if there's a need for him. But, you know, I think Isaiah Crowell, uh, Bilal Powell have done a great job. Le'Veon is going to have a heavy price tag. So you're going to have to you, – you could get a couple of players for Le'Veon. So, you know, it, it's always tough, you know, and, and I – do not want to be in Mike McCagnon's seat because that's a tough position. You have to balance out the finances with the skill set and how old they are. There's so many different things that go into so, so when a So when I say reinforcements are coming, I mean it because the Jets are very high on Eli McGuire. Now, Trenton Cannon has been forced into duty. Mm-hmm. He's going to get valuable reps here with Isaiah Crowell. But McGuire had a fantastic spring. He is entering his second season. He'll be eligible to return off of injured reserve this week. He could provide that offense a spark. And that's a much-needed spark. You know, Elijah McGuire, as you mentioned, just a player similar to Bilal Powell that can do it all. He can, he can pass block. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's very explosive. So that's going to be a, a major upgrade for the Jets' offense. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde in terms of the run game. What do you point to? Um, you know what? I, I point to, well, this week, listen, the, the Chicago Bears have, have a great defensive line. You know, Akeem Hicks was dominant down the middle of the offensive line. Um, losing Spencer Long for that week, you lose that chemistry. And when yeah. you have that chemistry, you need that chemistry to get the run game going. You know, also, you know, when you're playing from behind, it's tough to run the football. So, you know, I think that it'll come back. The, the Jets run, will gain that run game back. And uh, it's going to be vital in, in helping Sam Darnold. The Dolphins, they came to MetLife Stadium in week two. They won a 20-12 ball game. They came out of the gates hot. Uh, they kind of slowed down a little bit. Last time we saw them was on national television against the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson was finding a lot of open receivers. I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch that game, E. But what do you think is going on with Miami right now? You know, it, it's tough. You know, you, you are seeing a lot of blown coverages yeah. in that secondary, and which is something you're not really accustomed to, especially with guys like Rashad Jones back there, who's a, a Pro Bowl safety. Um, you know, I think losing Tannehill hurts them a lot. You know, and you go back to the, to the fact that when you don't have Tannehill, a guy who can move the chains with his feet, he was throwing the ball pretty well, giving the defense a rest. I think that defense is broke, breaking down. Uh, offensively, they're not putting up points. Brock Osweiler, you know, listen, he, he's a talented player, but he has not found a way to have success in the NFL thus far. You know, I, I think the Jets are going to have to continue to apply pressure to the Dolphins. And, uh, and the biggest thing this week is no big plays. If you don't give up big plays, you give yourself an opportunity to win them. So I, I think that's one thing that they have to learn from the last matchup against the Dolphins. And Defonte Parker did have a big game against the Texans, but he is a guy who a lot of people think could be actually on the trading block himself for the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, for a team that – for you're seeing a lot more trades nowadays. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think it's because of the, the younger GMs. Uh, they're, they're, a lot of them are friends. They grew up in this business together, and – Everybody's into analytics. Everybody's into winning right now. And you're seeing more trades than ever. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him get traded because a lot of guys who, who, who I thought were going to stay put have been traded. Amari Cooper. You know, there, there are a lot of people around this league. But, uh, the, Ra- the Raiders, the fire sale, you oh, don't know what's going to happen there. Anybody but but if you're John Gruden, I kind of understand it because you've got a 10-year deal and you want to build this baby the way you want to build it. He's got five first-round picks <laughs> over the next uh, two years. It's going to be interesting to see what Oakland does, but this is 
inside the Jets. Uh, we talked about it before. You think it's a must-win in Miami. What do you make of going down there in early November where it will be hot and you've been up here playing in cooler temper mm -hmm. temperatures of late? Well, how do you prepare for that? Because there's nothing you really can do inside the facility for that. No, there's nothing you can do except for be hydrated. Yeah. You know, just and you have to weather that storm when you get down there. You know, the first couple of drives are going to be tough. You, you're going to be gasping for air. You're going to be acclimating to that heat. But I think the Jets caught a break going down there in, in November. You know, I remember a couple times playing them in December. That's when it's really tough, when, when it's snowing up here, when it's, you know, below 40, below 30 degrees. Then you got to go down to 85 degrees and play. That's when it's tough. But either way, you weather the storm. You know, your body acclimates to it, continue to stay hydrated, and, and the Jets will be fine. E, did you enjoy going down to South Florida to play the Dolphins? Because whenever you go down there... There are big pockets of that stadium, green and white. Absolutely. You know, I remember playing for the Jets, and uh, one great memory of playing down in, in Miami was Jonathan Vilma towards the end of a game leading the J-E-T-S Jets chant. And it was a great feeling. You know, New York uh, travels well, but there's a lot of New Yorkers down in South Florida, and they love the Jets, and, and they continue that loyalty. So we're going to need all the New York fans to either make that trip down there or the ones down there come to the game and represent the Jets. What changes for the young rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, as he'll be seeing a team for the second time, for the first time in his professional career? You know, I, if, if you think, if you go back to the first game, Sam Darnold was, was tricked into an interception. Yep. You know, I think that now that he's, he's more, he's more um, acclimated to the NFL game and seeing how t defenses are playing him, you get to look at see how the Dolphins, all the different variances of the coverages, I don't think he'll be tricked into any coverages. I, I think that you'll see some big plays this week because he is a little bit more familiar with their defense. And it would be huge if the Jets were able to get a Robbie Anderson back in this lineup. It would be. You know, he changes the way a defense has to, to play the game. His speed, it, it must be respected. It allows teams to play more too high safeties. That's more run opportunities for Isaiah Crowell. You know, so he really changes the game when he's in there. Even if he's not full speed, I think it's important that he's out in the field. Uh, Jets Rewards members, don't forget to enter the code FAME, F-A-M-E, FAME, in your Jets Rewards portal during this show to earn 100 points. So the Jets... We got 15 seconds back inside the AFC East. Big one against the Miami Dolphins. And then prior to the bye, they'll be home against the Buffalo Bills. For Eric Coleman, I'm Eric Allen. We'll see you next week.